Thank you for listening to Changed by His Word, a podcast of Pine Level Missionary Baptist Church featuring the preaching and teaching ministry of Pastor Brad Lee. We invite you to join us each Sunday at 11 a.m. for worship. For more information, visit us online at pinelevelmbc.org. And now for today's message. Mark chapter 14, beginning in verse 12, the Bible says, On the first day of unleavened bread, when the Passover lamb was being sacrificed, his disciples said to him, Where do you want us to go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city, and a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him. And wherever he enters, say to the owner of the house, The teacher says, Where is my guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he himself will show you a, up, a large upper room, furnished and ready. Prepare for us there. The disciples went out and came to the city and found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. When it was evening, he came with the twelve. As they were reclining at the table and eating, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They began to be grieved and to say to him, one by one, surely not I. And he said to them, it is one of the twelve, one who dips with me in the bowl. For the Son of Man is going, just as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. While they were eating, he took some bread, and after a blessing, he broke it and gave it to them and said, Take it, this is my body. And when he had taken a cup and, gave thank, and had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will never again drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. As often as I think about it and wonder what it must have been like to live when Jesus walked the earth, I'm thankful that I live today. It would have been really neat to be right there with Jesus and the disciples for these two events known as the Last Passover and the Lord's Supper. You know, Vicki mentioned just a few moments ago hunger and the fact that there is global hunger. And we've been blessed today because we're not able able to only eat just one meal. Most of us eat multiple meals a day, and most of us eat multiple snacks in between. But as we approach the text this morning, there's a couple of things I want you to keep in mind. Number one, I think when we look at this, this last supper, we think about it from the perspective of physical eating, eating for our, our physical well-being. But yet when we look at the Lord's Supper and we think about the Lord's Supper, when we partake of the Lord's Supper, we do that to nourish our soul. We do that not only to remember what Jesus has done for us, but also to reflect on and think about the fact that Jesus has promised us that He will come again. So this morning, for the next few moments, I simply want to lay four truths on your heart in a message that I've entitled, The Last Supper and the Lord's Supper, and I hope that this will be a challenge and an encouragement to you today. Both of these deal with food, one from the physical perspective and one from the spiritual perspective. If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to notice first that as you think about these events, you are to always remember the past. Always remember the past. Now, context is crucial, 
And in order for us to understand uh, the relevance of a significant passage, we must understand its, con uh, its context. And to do so, it's important for us to ask a series of questions. And these questions are thought-provoking, yet the answers are found clearly within Scripture. This is why I cannot overemphasize the importance of studying the Word of God. I hope and pray that you are not just studying God's Word today when we meet uh, to worship uh, together in corporate worship. I hope and pray more than anything that you're studying your Bible, you're opening the Word of God throughout the week and, and, and having time that you spend with God because getting into the Word of God and allowing the Word of God to get into you is crucial. Why? Because the Word of God, listen to me, is what changes lives. The Word of God, the Bible says, is the power of God to salvation. So your life and my life are going to be radically changed the more that we spend time in the Word of God. You see, the Word of God is not just an ordinary book. Ordinary books you read. You read the Word of God, but most importantly, the Word of God reads you. The writer of Hebrews says this about the Word of God, that it's living, that it's powerful, that it's sharper than any two-edged sword, that it's able to pierce and penetrate to the depths of the soul, the joint and the marrow, and it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So here in Mark chapter 14, when you come to the Word of God, and you come to words like the Passover and the, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, it's important for us to, to ask questions and to dig a little deeper. Now, I know I mentioned these last Sunday, but we don't know everything there is to know about the Passover, and we don't know everything there is to know about the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So in a text like the text before us, it's helpful to ask the question, what is the Passover? What is the Passover? What is the Feast of Unleavened Bread? Why do we have these mentioned in the New Testament? And what in the world do they have to do with Jesus? Well, both the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, they were instituted by God. As a matter of fact, God gave His children, the Israelites, instructions to celebrate their deliverance from slavery, from bondage, and from captivity in Egypt. And these were to serve as a reminder to the people, listen to this, of what God had done for them. The way that God had delivered them. So in Leviticus chapter 23, verses 5 and 6, if you want to write that down, you can go back and look these references up later. I'm going to give you quite a few this morning as we think about the Passover. Leviticus 23, verses 5 and 6, God said to His people, In the first month, on the 14th day of the month at twilight, it is the Lord's Passover. Then on the 15th day of the same month, there is the feast of unleavened bread to the Lord. For seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. So during the first month, which was equivalent to uh, March and April on our calendar, the people were to stop what they were doing. They were to look back, always remembering the past, remembering what God had done for them. They were to reflect on that, they were to think on that, they were to, to meditate on that, they were to dwell on that. Think about it this way, in the Old Testament we know that there were ten plagues, nine of the plagues were given, then the last plague was given, the final plague, the plague of the firstborn, and God gave instructions to the Israelites, and oh by the way, let me just throw this out there, 
You need to be thankful today that you don't have to do the things that I'm mentioning here that were prescribed specifically for the Israelites to do. Listen to what they were to do. Every family was to take a lamb for his family and his household. The lamb was to be a year old male without defect, without spot, and without blemish. Then on the 14th day, the lamb was to be slaughtered at twilight. God then instructed them to take some of the blood and to put it on the sides and the tops of the door frames of their house where they eat the lambs. Think about that. Just how nasty that was, that process of, of slaughter of an animal. Uh, children today, and this is funny, think that McDonald's invented hamburgers. That they go to McDonald's and that's where the hamburger comes from. There's a lot of processes that take place before that hamburger gets to McDonald's. And I don't, I'm not even going to begin to think what all's in the hamburger. But there's, there's a lot of processes that take place. But that just sheds a little bit of light on, on how nasty of a responsibility this must have been. And, and all the hands-on work that was involved in it. So the Israelites were to eat this roasted meat. They were also to eat uh, bitter herbs and bread that was made without yeast. That's the unleavened bread. And what was not eaten was to be burned. They weren't to put it in, in the, the Kelvinator, right? The ice box. No, they were to burn that. God goes on to say that same night on the 14th night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn, both male and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. Why? I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. We're talking about judgment here. Yes, God is a gracious God. He's also a God of judgment. So this day shall be to you a memorial and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. We find that in Exodus 12. So it's important to remember the past. It's important to remember what took place in the past. Now here's one of the problems with that. It's important to remember the past, but you are not to live in the past. How often have you said it? Oh man, I wish I could go back to that time. And live in that day. Back to the future, right? That's a little bit different. But anyways, it's important to remember the past but not to live there. To remember what God has done. But if you're in Christ, you've been saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. You're a new creature. You're not your own. And you may say, Pastor, I know that God has saved me, but I, I don't remember exactly when that was. It's easy for us to even get caught up in that. I think at times the devil wants us to dwell on that. Especially if you came to saving faith at a young age and you can't remember all of the details and everything that happened and all the words of a prayer that you prayed. What's most important is what you're doing with Jesus right now. How you're living for Jesus right now. So yes, we want to remember the past, but we do not want to dwell on the past. We do not want to live 
In the past, Jesus would say this in Luke chapter 9, no one after putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Think about it if you're plowing a row. You don't plow that row with your head behind you. I mean, that row's going to be all kinds of crooked. No, you plow it, you look forward to what you were doing. So in other words, you, you must not set up camp and live there. Yes, you look back to the, future, back to the past, but you, you don't live in the past. You're reminded of what Jesus has done for you. Now, how does what Jesus has done for us tie into what we're looking at here? Well, follow me if you will. God says, this is what I've done for you in the past. So in the Old Testament, and some people think the Old Testament is outdated. The Old Testament is not relevant. Many people would just camp out in the New Testament and say, well, why do I even need to go to the Old Testament? You have to go to the Old Testament because... That helps you to understand the New Testament. You have to have a good understanding of what God has revealed in the Old Testament. So in the Old Testament and the New Testament, both are relevant. They go hand in hand. They're both the revelation of God. So now let's look at the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. These are crucial events, events that happened in the past. The Israelites remember those events. Uh, and and the, 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 the Passover is not just a little celebration where they're come, coming together. No, it's a huge celebration. It's a festival. I mean, they're eating and living together and worshiping together. That is the Passover meal. And here what we see is the last Passover the Last Supper. Not that, that some Jews today are not still practicing Passover, but this is the last one that was necessary. So, they were going, the disciples, to prepare a Passover meal. It, it's a meal that had been done over and over and over and over for years. And Jesus even participated in this Passover knowing that His time to, to, to suffer was just around the corner. The time had come for Jesus, listen to this, the Passover lamb to shed his blood once for all for the sins of mankind. Praise God, I'm thankful for that today that Jesus shed his blood for me. As a matter of fact, the writer of Hebrews says this, shedding light on it. For the law, since it was only a shadow of the good things to come and not the very form of things, can never by the same sacrifice which they offer continually year by year, make perfect those who draw near. Speaking of the Passover, every priest stands daily ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But he, praise God, Jesus, he having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, waiting for that time onward until his enemies become a footstool for his feet. For by one offering he has perfected all time those who are sanctified. So the Passover that was done over and over and over, year after year after year, is now obsolete. Speaking of today, this is the last Supper, the last Passover, that was necessary. Why? Listen to what John the Baptist said. He saw Jesus coming. He said, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We don't need to offer another lamb to be sacrificed because coming right here, 
is the Lamb of God who takes away all the sins of the world. So when you think about the Lord's Supper, you think about the Last Supper, remember the past, but don't live there. Remember the past. Notice secondly, though, you're to continually examine your heart. Verses 18 through 21, continually examine your heart. Now, this is pretty uh, eye-opening when you stop and think about it. Imagine how difficult it must have been to hear the words the disciples gathered around in that upper room that night, the words that Jesus spoke, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. Now, I don't know exactly how many people were gathered in that room. We know that the 12 disciples were there. Some commentators believe that there were other people there as well because the disciples are specifically named here. But whether or not it was 12 or 15 or 20, however many, it was not a large group of people that were meeting for this, uh, this Last Supper. But, but they were meeting and, and, and Jesus spoke these words and the Bible says of the disciples that they were grieved. They were grieved. One by one, they started going around the room and they said, uh, surely not I. Peter, surely not I. John, surely not I. Surely not I. Surely not I. To, to be sure, it's not me that he's speaking of. Right there in that upper room. And by the way, when we went on our trip to Israel in 2015, we were able to go to that area. We don't know if that was the exact upper room, but we were able to visit an upper room that they, uh, they label as the upper room where in the vicinity that this event took place. But imagine being in that area that night with these disciples and Jesus saying, one of you... The one who dips with me, he's going to betray me. Surely not I. And we know, having the canon of Scripture, the completed revelation of God, being able to look back, we know that this was a man by the name of Judas. The man that betrayed Jesus. He was a counterfeit. He was a fake. He was a, a hypocrite. And Jesus knew... At that very moment when he was serving those disciples, he knew the one that would betray him. Why? Because he knows you intimately better than you know yourselves. God knows you today. He knows where you are, where your thoughts are. He knows what it is that you're thinking. He knows what you're going to do before you do it. And the Bible says that there's a way that seems right to man, but in the end it's the way of death. So the question we've got to answer today individually Am I living for Jesus or am I living for Brad? That's a day-by-day -day struggle. You with me? Day-by-day. Day, am I living today for me or am I living today for the Lord? And I'm not trying to question anyone's salvation this morning. That's not my responsibility. I can't save a soul. Did y'all know that? Don't ever say, well, the preacher saved somebody today. The preacher can't save. I can't even save myself. I need Jesus to save me. And now I can point you to the one that can save you. And that's what we've been called to do. That's another lie the devil wants you to believe. If you share Jesus with somebody and they say, well, I'm not interested in your Jesus. You walk around and you say, they're not interested in Jesus. They're not interested in church. They've not rejected you. Who have they rejected? Jesus. You've, you've done what you've been called to do if you've shared faithfully. 
If you've told somebody about Jesus and the way that they, that they know Jesus, don't walk away moping. You hold your head high and dust the feet off of your sandals and you move on to the next person. Now you keep loving that person, but you've done what you've been called to do. But I believe here one of the things that we need to, to do is we need to examine our heart. We need to examine our lives. That's exactly what the disciples were doing that night. Surely not I. Is it me? A am I the one that's going to betray him? The reality this morning is only you deep down know where you stand with the Lord. We, we can put on a face, can't we? You get up in the morning and you go to church. Good morning, how you doing? I'm good, how are you? Doing good. And you just finished yelling at three kids. You ain't doing good. You want to yell at that person too. But you put that face on, I'm good, everything's so good, I love Jesus. We've we got to be real. We've got to examine our lives. Matter of fact, the Bible says this. It says to examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know that Christ Jesus is in you unless indeed you are disqualified? So it involves a, a heart check. It involves looking inwardly. It involves standing in that mirror and really looking at the inward me, the inward self. Do I really love Jesus? Do I really love His Word? Do I really come to church to worship Jesus? Or am I coming to, so that so-and-so can see me? Do, do I really have a relationship with Jesus? Hey, what about this one? Deep down, do I really hate sin? When I sin, am I like, I cannot believe I did that again. Man, I hate that. Examine yourselves. Continually. Here's another verse you can write down. I didn't put this in my notes, but it comes to mind. And it's for the believer, 1 John 1, 9. If you confess your sins, I'll give you an opportunity to do that shortly. Then he's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He chooses to remember it no more. Now, you and I will go drag skeletons out of the closet, won't we? Sins we've committed, man, not the Lord. He cast them as far as as the east is from the west. He cast them into the sea of forgetfulness. And he chooses to remember them no more. You're to continually examine your heart. Notice thirdly though, you're to pay attention to the present. Now this should be a given. I don't know why anyone living today would not pay attention to the present. But perhaps some folks are not doing that. But you've got to keep in mind that you're, you're living in this world as a believer, but, you, but you're not of this world. And although the world, the flesh, and the devil wants to consume you, you've got to remember that. I'm thankful that I'm a, 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 a United States citizen. I am. I really am. Now, I don't, I don't wear the American flag every day. You know what I mean? But, but I'm thankful that I was born right here in this country, but did you know that I didn't choose that? I didn't choose to be born in Raleigh, North Carolina. No more than you did. I didn't choose what ethnicity I would be. I didn't choose my gender. I didn't choose those things. No, God created me the way that He created me. And He created you the way He created you for a purpose to love Him and to love others. He's created you for this specific time. You're not here today by coincidence, by happenstance. You're not here by chance or by luck. 
You're right here today because God has you where he wants you. And, and, and Pine Level, we love Pine Level. I love Pine Level and I've only lived here three years. Some of you have lived here your whole life and you love Pine Level. It's the best little town in North Carolina, right? But as good and sweet as Pine Level is, you've got to remind yourself that Pine Level is not your home. It's not your eternal home. You're just passing through Pine Level, headed to heaven. So you've got to pay attention to the present. You've got to recognize that you're a sojourner. You've got to recognize that heaven is your home. You've got to recognize that God has called you to live in the here and the now for His glory and not your own. So He's called us to be in the world, but not of the world. And that's a challenge, isn't it? That's difficult. It's difficult to be in the world and not of the world. But He's commanded us to follow Him and to serve Him. And until He comes, we're to continually be reminded of what He has done for us. Now that brings us from the Last Supper into the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper. We're to continually be reminded through the partaking, participation in the Lord's Supper. Now notice what he says here. Jesus not only celebrated the Last Supper with his disciples, he transitioned from that in the Old Testament to what would take place that night and what would take place for years to come as a remembrance and as an anticipation of Jesus' second coming. So notice what he does here. He takes bread. The bread represents his body. Jesus said that to those disciples. This is my body that was broken for you. Now, think for just a moment what those disciples must have been thinking. What was going through their mind? This is his body that was broken for us? What's up with this? What's he talking about? And it's just another day until that becomes a reality. They're going to see firsthand what Jesus is talking about. The body, or the bread represents the body, his body that was broken for them. Then he goes on to say that this cup, this juice, represents my blood that will be shed for your sins. And I can only imagine these being Jews, Israelites, knowing knowing the Last Supper, knowing the Passover, knowing the intricate details of that, them automatically reflecting on the shed blood of the Lamb. Once a year. And the Lamb of God, His blood being shed for their sins. The once for all sacrifice. And I would have you be reminded today that not only was His body broken for them, His body was broken for you. His blood was shed for them. Yes, His blood was shed for you. And we'll celebrate that in just a moment. So you're to live in the present, always being mindful of what God has done for you, keeping in mind that you're not here by accident. God has created you for a purpose. Notice fourth and finally this morning, you're also to long for the future. To long for the future. Verse 25, look at 25. Verse 25 says, Truly I say to you, I will never again drink of the fruit of the vine 
until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. So Jesus lived on earth for about 33 and a half years, and yet he was never consumed by the world. From his birth until the age of 12, Scripture doesn't mention much about his life. However, we do learn these things about Jesus' life. In John 4, 34, he said that my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Luke 2, 49, Jesus said, I must be about my father's business. John 6, 38, he says, I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. So all throughout Jesus' life, in the world, he was not of the world. He was sold out to his Father. He never longed for the material things of life that are here today and gone tomorrow. If there would have been that red Corvette that you've heard me speak of so often, Jesus would not have longed for that. No. No, he was here and he recognized that there was something greater on the other side. He recognized that he came not to be served, but to serve, and listen to this, to give his life as a ransom for many. That was Jesus' mission. That was Jesus' purpose. And that brings us right here to the title once again of, of our series in Mark's Gospel. Yes, he is servant. He served those disciples. He served people and he's Savior as well. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came for a purpose. And with Jesus, with Jesus, without him at the center of our life, we're lost and undone. We're on our way to a devil's hell. That's why we need Jesus. So Jesus was looking, for, looking towards the future when he said, hey, no longer eat of this Passover until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. So Jesus looked forward to the next time, hey, if you're a believer in Christ, you're going to get to participate in this. Not only the Lord's Supper today, you're going to get to participate in, in that next supper that is coming in the millennial kingdom, the messianic banquet, the heavenly banquet that will usher in the millennial age when you're able to sup with Jesus. And that's what we long for. That's what we look forward to. So we're to long for the future. Not to get caught up in the here and now. But to look forward with great anticipation to the kingdom of God. To look forward to that heavenly banquet. To look forward to the day and the age when you'll not just get to worship Jesus here on Sundays or on Wednesdays or throughout the week. But you'll get to be in the very presence of Jesus forever and ever and ever. We can't even comprehend what that's going to be like. The Last Supper and the Lord's Supper. You've been listening to Changed by His Word, the preaching and teaching ministry of Pastor Brad Lee. We hope that you have been encouraged and challenged by this message. If you have any questions about the message, or about your relationship with Jesus Christ, please contact Pastor Brad at changedbyhisword at gmail.com. Thank you and God bless.